Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, welcome back, Vortex Nation, to the Vortex Nation podcast. Got Jim to my right. We've got Ben Cassidy across from us virtually. Now, Ben is from SCI, Safari Club International. And I guess, I guess the, the tagline says it all, first for hunters, SCI, first for hunters. These guys are doing some great stuff for, for hunter, uh, hunter advocacy and really fight, fighting the good fight, I guess, against, you know, things that, that threaten hunting and the hunting heritage and everything that goes along with that. And, and one thing I think, you know, we're talking about the name SCI, Ben, and, and the word safaris in there. And I, and I feel like that kind of conjures up, you know, visions of Africa or international only. But that's definitely not what you guys are only about. So real quick here, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about, yeah. about you, what you have going on, and then let's kind of, you know, jump into SCI as a whole and, and, and why it's important and, and why we need an organization like SCI. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks a lot, Mark and Jim, for having me on to, to talk about Safari Club. It's something that I, I can speak to endlessly. I feel like I'm the luckiest man alive to be in the job I'm in. But yeah, Ben Cassidy, I'm a, the Director of Government Affairs for, for Safari Club International. We are a 50-year-old organization, 50,000 members strong, built up off of chapters um, across the country, across the globe. Like you mentioned, yeah, our name, Safari Club, does conjure up, you know, those giant international, you know, trips but if you ever like make it out to one of our, our shows you know it's, it's it's the the ultimate sportsman's marketplace and it really shows off you know all the corners of the earth that we're involved in like we were talking about you know and before we got on you know our advocacy efforts it is first for hunters and hunters are in the field you know across the planet so if there's land out there we're probably fighting on it you know if there's a species that that um, that we all enjoy the pursuit of we're probably involved in you know protecting that species and making sure that we still have those opportunities there. So in my role, I oversee our advocacy efforts. Like you said, I'm, I'm out of DC. I'm at home right now in Maryland, but we've got our, our you know, global headquarters here in DC. I oversee um, our international advocacy efforts, our federal, you know, House and Senate and the administration, our state and local, so all the state capitals from Madison to Sacramento and all over, as well as our, our legal advocacy, um, our, our fight in the courts, which is really, you know, one of our shop, sharpest tools in the shed. So, yeah, really fortunate to have an incredible crack team, you know, policy experts, legal experts, wildlife biologists, campaign experts. It's a really cool and unique spot. You know, um, before I came over to um, Safari Club and spent about 10 years, you know, in hunting policy, uh, working for the National Rifle Association and uh, over at the Department of the Interior. Um, under Secretary Zinke and Bernhardt, you know, and I had a really great chance over the years to to get to know all the different organizations and all the great work that, you know, everyone's doing out there. But one thing that really stood up for me and for Safari Club International was really putting the hunter first. The priority is always the hunter. Uh, we can all agree that access is crucial. Healthy land, healthy wildlife is critical. But without a hunter, you know, in the mix, we don't, we, um, we don't have that North American model. Um, that's been so successful and able to, you know, give us all the opportunities that we've had and brought, you know, species populations to record highs. You know, we're in the golden era right now, and that can really be attributed to that model and, and to the hunter. So let's celebrate that and let's make sure that we, you know, protect the hunter and, and, and keep their their place in, in a cycle. So Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you bring up something that's kind of like an interesting, I guess, you know, dichotomy or opposite ends of the spectrum. Like you say, we're 
we're in the golden age of you know hunting and a lot of wildlife uh, populations are are flourishing and yet probably you know hunting itself has potentially maybe never been more threatened uh you know in in varying ways and i think you know we're seeing some good things you know, right now we're seeing increased participation, which is really cool right now. I mean, it's, it's nice totally. to finally see a little bit of an uptick and, and hopefully some, some folks are going to, you know, recognize that maybe things, you know, weren't what they were being, uh, you know, as they were being portrayed or, you know, being told, you know, through different channels. But um, all very, very cool stuff, Ben, for sure. What types of things, you know, you were talking about the, the legal aspect being like, you know, one of your guys' sharpest tools, like, what are you what are you guys facing and and what are you uh, and how are you approaching i guess different legal battles that uh, maybe a lot of us don't even know are going on sure yeah um thanks for asking um there's a lot to, to really brag on with our crack legal team you know it's led by by uh jeremy claire who's out of south carolina and regina lennox out of new orleans um that are you know our in-house counsels we obviously work closely with a number of really strong allies like Sportsman's Alliance and with NRA. Um, but we are that one group that's, you know, in the court fighting, you know, for, for, for hunters, wherever that's needed. You know, we had some awesome wins just this year alone, you know, back in January, which seems like it was a decade ago now. That was a different <laughs> time and place. Big decision out, out of Louisiana. Um, there was a block on, 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 on hunting bears. Um, we're not totally in the clear yet, but it was our representation our challenge of the standing of the anti-hunters that was able to have it pulled back, re-reviewed, and we're going in a direction now where that could open back up a black bear season in Louisiana. So that's enormous, you know, for, for, for having that conservation tool brought back. Now for our membership, constantly under threat, like we're talking about with, um, with, with being a hunter, you know, in, in, in what we see as kind of a cancel culture. Um, so we had, you know, humane society, had a, had a lawsuit trying to do a, a Freedom of Information Act uh, from the Department of the Interior that would reveal the identity and address and contact information for everyone that's gotten a, a permit um, to, to bring back, you know, a, their legally harvested animal from overseas. And we moved quickly on our legal team to defend those identities, to challenge that. And not everyone's identity was protected. Some were released, but all of our members that, you know, our legal team walked through the process, uh, had their identities uh, protected. I think that that that's critical. I mean, just the way we've seen things happen with doxing and all those things. So that was a massive win. Another piece is, you know, the Department of the Interior has moved to um, granting permits on a case-by-case basis. Um, rather than uh, determining the health of the population, you know, from these wide swaths, um, it looks at each one and how it contributes to conservation to each animal that would be harvested. We defended that. It makes it much more difficult for anti-hunting groups to do a wholesale ban on certain species. Um, and that was, you know, seven years of work along with NRA came to a conclusion in June um, where we won in, in the D.C. circuit, which is not traditionally been a very friendly place. Now, we can get into talking about how the courts have been rearranged and shuffled in more favor of conservatives, but um, it was huge to just be able to see a win in such a traditionally hostile place. And, you know, again, that's seven years. That's a lot of sweat equity, time, and effort from from our our, our team uh, to see such a good result. But yeah, the fight goes on, you know. Um, you get challenges from anti-groups in Alaska, you know, on letting Alaskan wildlife management manage their wildlife, you know, the authorities there. 
we got a challenge where they're trying to um, ban lead in U.S. Forest Services, you know, in, in Arizona, um, not leaving, you know, the, the casing with uh, the gut pile. Uh, so work on those challenges with our allies at NSSF and NRA. Uh, so the, there's never a lack of opportunity to be in the fight, but, you know, it, it, it's picking them, um, really following our, our membership wants and needs. We always check with them first, you know, our local chapters. Is this something that, you know, would be helpful to the, to the local hunter? We get that green light, we run it up our, our flagpole and then, and then we engage. So. Awesome. You know, an- another thing you mentioned was, um, you know, working with biologists, right? And I'd be curious cause I wasn't aware of this, uh, uh Louisiana, uh, I guess, uh, situation where, so the bear hunting, was it actually banned and you overturned that or there was legislation kind of moving forward that you guys were able to push back? That legislation. So it was all, this is, this is again, like examples of what we're doing in the court. So anti-hunting groups had challenged the legal harvest of black bears in Alaska or in Louisiana and they effectively shut it down. Um, we challenged the standing that they had, the science that they were using. Okay. Um, the court reviewed that and said, SCI is in the right, gave us credit um, for, for, for our challenge, and then overturned the hold that they'd had. So now we are going through the proper review, going through the proper scientific review to be able to get you know the black bear season back on since it's a recovered species. Gotcha, gotcha. What do you guys? Yeah, so that's cool. I mean, the, these are like court cases go on and on and on. We can get into talking about, you know, you guys are Wisconsin, like talking about delisting the wolf and all that, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that just, it's delisted. It's back on the list. You know, court challenges forever. So these are, you know, three examples of just, and they've taken a lot of time, but they've actually come to fruition over the last, you know, mm-hmm. year since I've been on board, which is just incredible and just kind of speaks to, you know, that unique role that, that SCI plays in the court. I'd be curious to know, like, what what was the reasoning for you know, I guess certain groups to be like, no, we shouldn't be able to hunt bears in Louisiana. Like what was, what was their argument for that? I mean, I haven't sat in on, you know, their strategy meetings or anything, but the groups <laughs> oh, that, the groups those? That, yeah, the, not yet. I mean, if I can use this platform, please invite me to the next one. I'd love to discuss it openly. I mean, it's, it, it's their mission is to, to totally shut down all hunting. Yeah. Um, I mean, facts and science be darned. Yeah. Do you, you know, do you guys That's find they raise their money? Do you guys find that the biggest challengers that you oppose in in things like this are anti-hunting groups or is it uh a lot of times that you guys are fighting with just the change of whether it's industry or whether it's just certain things that happen with uh changing of hands in land or things that we're doing that are harming an animal population or is it like what what's the biggest thing that you guys end up dealing with most often well i think it's a wide array i mean i think that you look at today right a lot of people have been removed from the land a lot of people have been removed from their food source so it does take if the onus is on us a lot of the time to explain the role of the hunter how it is critical and and it is a it is a part of the the cycle so a lot of that's on us i mean I remember when I went over, you know, to interior for the first time, I'd known about it from being at NRA with like Pittman Robertson. You guys know about it because you guys are pumping money into it. Um, But the general population and even a lot of the folks, you know, that were at interior weren't aware of that role that hunters were playing and being, you know, in sportsmen and and shooters um, being, you know, the only ones that were paying into the system for, for conservation. I mean, so a lot of it is just that court of public opinion. 
and the onus being on us to be able to explain, you know, our role and our importance. But again, on the other side, I can't downplay, you know, the antis are very well organized and very well funded. They, they know how to, how to pick a fight and how to stay, you know, how to stay on the bone and, and, and keep after it. So it's on us to be able to, to mm. fight mm. back and I see just, the fight for what it is. I just get so curious about like, uh, about anti-hunting groups because I just wondered to myself, what are they, what are they trying to do? You know, I mean, I guess you got examples of anti-gun groups or whatever, where, you know, they're trying to, they say, you know, they're trying to make the, you know, country a safer place or something by just eliminating all guns or whatever. But when I think about hunters and stuff, I'm thinking to myself, they're just, they're kind of just out there on their own. It's not like as an anti-hunter that you have to be like right next to them when they're out there hunting. I mean, you know, it, it seems to me as though, how are they even bothering you, you know? And how is it not that, is an anti-hunter group also anti-meat in the grocery store? Or how, it just baffles yeah, me. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a good question. I think, I mean, to simplify it some, I think a lot of it boils down to like preservation versus conservation, locking the land up from use or actually have it being used and maintained. Mm-hmm. I think you find a lot of people in the, animal rights, anti-hunting campaign is being more in the preservation, lock it up. Everything should be, you know, a national park and not, you know, that multiple use mandate in a bubble. Totally. I mean, just to kind of go on a total segue off of the continent right now in New Zealand, we're fighting against a ban on, on hunting um, tar. It's an introduced species. All the big mammals in New Zealand are introduced species. They've created a really big economy off of it over there, tourism and hunting, whether it's, you know, stag or tar, tar is probably the most hunted over there, but they've got, you know, as the, their head of their department of conservation, their department of interior, especially their, their secretary there, she's a former, you know, anti-hunting lobbyist. Um, it's been her life mission, you know, career mission for 30 years to shut down tar hunting, return New Zealand to how it was before man arrived there. I mean, that is the goal and mm. it's, and it's not really, they don't beat around the bush on it. You know, they like to see it just be green hills and, and birds again. You start with removing the species. Does she realize she would have to leave too for it to get back to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's a good question. If we ever get time with her, we can bring that up. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I mean, we can all leave. Though, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, that's how that's how far out it can be. Yeah. Well, that's, that's different. You're next. Time. Right, right. It's, just it's, it's, it's di- yeah. Right. It's different if you live in a giant, you know, smog creating city and you're eating commercially processed everything and you know whatever. It's different. Yeah. But all right, um, anyway, different, different. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, yeah. That, boy, talk about that. I mean, that's an, an interesting one as well. I want to go back to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, just stay on bears. But I feel like, and you brought up like the education. You standpoint. got bears on the mind though. You just went. Did, did you? Didn't you just go? I was bear hunting. Right. I didn't get one. Right. But uh, but that ties into, I guess, this conversation about being an education standpoint and being able to, I guess, you know, talk, I guess, from an educated, somewhat eloquent standpoint to somebody who may not be familiar with hunting. So, you know, we have neighbors on our street. Not all of them hunt. I'd say actually most don't. And But we talk and like, oh, what are you doing? Like, oh, I'm I was, you know, going back to Washington to hunt bears with some friends. And they're like, you can hunt bears aren't they endangered? It's like, oh, no, actually, you know, populations are, you know, definitely flourishing, you know, and like, well, like, I mean, you, 
like that's just like a really spe- there's not very many permits right and i'm like well actually it's, it's an over the counter tag and you know actually in some yeah. states you know you can actually take two because you know populations are and like they're they're dumbfounded you know and, and well, then that's that's wrong because yeah. i feel like it's wrong that's wrong because i feel like it's wrong or or you know i guess what they've been told or they're just their perception gained over time right is like oh no you can't shoot a bear those those are you know, endangered. It's like, oh, actually, no, they're, they're not endangered. And then, like, well, you're not going to eat it, right? It's like, oh, no, actually, you know, bears are, are, are yeah. really good eating, right? And it's not this, yeah. it's not this person's fault. Like, I'm not mad at them, but it's just, it's interesting. Like, I feel sometimes as hunters, we forget that a lot of people don't, they just don't know the things we know. And, and you know, we can sure. just have a, a civil conversation with a lot of folks and, you know, hopefully at least, you know, you may not turn them into a hunter, but, you know, maybe they'll their perception of hunting uh, might change a little bit. Right. I'm sure like, I'm sure your guests have touched on it with just general perception, but you know, we've all seen the polls, at least, you know, from, from SCI of, you know, you got 10% of the population that gets it. They're going to be with you no matter what 10% that is so against it. You'll never convince them, but everything in the middle that 80%, I mean, those are folks that are going to come at it with an open mind and, you know, they hear it from you and understand how, how it does play a role and, how you do respect the, the game and everything. Um, I think it goes a long way. Definitely. I, I also want to touch on. But yeah. To- yeah. Uh, Grizzly came up. Grizzlies came up yesterday in the Senate in the environment and public works um, committee. They had a hearing on, on delisting the, the, the Grizzly, you know, with uh, a lot of the witnesses that, that were giving testimony um, from, from Wyoming, just talking about the incredible story of recovery and how it should be celebrated and what better way to celebrate it than by removing it from the threat list where it shouldn't be any longer under those protections and return it to, you know, the right folks to manage it. The folks in the state shouldn't be the federal government's, you know, problem. So it was, it was a really, really refreshing to hear. Uh, we'll see where, where that goes. Um, hmm. But there's been a lot of talk about delisting in the last couple of weeks federally, you know, with that and with the gray wolf, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all that stuff, it's like, we've got these, these, these systems and these regulations in place that obviously work, right. You know, you, and, uh, yep. like I said, s- celebrate it. And it just seems logical. I mean, I, Jim, I hate to use logic, but yeah. you, know, you can't uh, do that. Sounds bad word. I hate to use logic and science, but you know, I mean, you can point to, um, and I and I could see for like initially, right? You're like, whoa! Like we just haven't been able to do this for a long time. Like historically, we haven't been able to do this. Like we've been fighting to get these things back, get them back, get them back, get them back. And it's yep. weird to like make that shift. I guess you know maybe mentally. Um, yeah. You know, and and of course, you know, to to use a a, a, a Renella term, you know, you, I mean, they are charismatic megafauna, right? And so that yep. you know that that can strike a nerve with uh, certain folks. Uh, you know, they do our, our, our remind folks of the, the teddy bear they grew up with and cuddled with. And I can tell yeah. you, I, I don't want to cuddle with a grizzly or a brown bear ever. But uh, no. But yeah, well, that, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And so so you were there listening to that, you said? I wasn't there in person. You know, it, it was done with a lot of folks coming in virtually. Uh, oh, right. They had, they, had, they had one of the witnesses, you know, who was out in the field in Wyoming with flies everywhere, <laughs> probably <laughs> just waiting for a bear to walk behind him, but it made it more authentic. Yeah. But yeah, 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 just tracking it from home and just following along. Yep, yep. That, that, that's a lot of, I mean, that sort of information is, is a lot of what our, our membership is, you know, hungry for and, and following and trying to be engaged on, see where they can be helpful. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like legislation that was being discussed, you know, that, that we would be very supportive of. We are supportive of and you know, want to be helpful to, to those sponsors and getting it passed because we don't see any other road forward with all the lawsuits for being able to, to get it done at this point. Mm-hmm. How do you guys, I mean, the SCI, how do you guys manage how much you have going on internationally? Because I just think to myself, if, if um, I mean, and there are, there are organizations that are solely dedicated to things related to hunting in North America. And I think that you could focus on just our country and continent alone and be super tied up and very busy. And you guys are then adding in all of these other countries and continents and, and places with different governments and structures and different species, different styles of hunting. I mean, in my head, I, I, I see it like I think of it as almost kind of fun and challenging. You know, I'd love to learn how different species uh, are flourishing or what challenges they face or hunters and stuff and how they do things. But man, that's that's a doozy to think about. Yeah, you can think of it as being a doozy, but it's funny with the more you work in all the different elected bodies, the more you see how much copycatting goes on, hmm. you know? So like we're talking about like, so like one of the, the, the most popular bad ideas out there right now is, <laughs> is, well, first focusing on, you know, animal health COVID-19 bills. I totally get that. That's, that's crucial. And that's a very important conversation, but then, and they are sneaking in, you know, trophy bans. It's basically, you know, just somebody that hates hunting's legislation, just trying to always get it passed and just trying to put it under the guise, like equating, you know, legal harvesting of, of an animal and, and, and transportation to, you know, a Chinese wet market. We've seen it pop up and we've been beating them back. Um, so like in Brussels, it came up in the parliament. Um, it was their first vote that they ever took virtually. They did it back in April. Um, we're able to, to kill that by getting talking points out to the parliament there. Um, have one, you know, that language that's been introduced in the, in the House of Representatives in D.C. Um, that we've been fighting back on called the, the Cecil Act. Um, just recently, very excited and brag on the team for this, but we're able to defeat one that was the furthest along in California, in Sacramento, in the California legislature that would have also been, you know, a, a trophy ban on importation of species from Africa. Um, that was a full court effort that's gone on for for years, but this was the most recent attempt at it. And it was, you know, the governor of California saying, I'm only considering uh, legislation that's related to, to COVID-19. Uh, we have a $40 billion deficit shortfall. So it's got to be tailored to addressing the, the matter at hand right now. So they did this COVID-19 and they just edit or they just uh, amended their bill. That was a trophy ban, added some wet market stuff in there, but still at the kernel, it was that trophy ban. And we're able to really work with our partners and our our network of uh, folks in Africa to be witnesses, to give testimony, to talk about how critical it is for their, you know, local economies, for their livelihood, for their conservation, for making sure that the land remains the way it is so that the animals still thrive on it um, for the hunting opportunities. Um, you take that away and they turn it into, you know, farmland that'll never go back to being what it was before. Nothing wrong with farms though, but it would just change, you know, it's, it's again, like the land pays for something. It's going to, it's going to stay. So it pays to stay. So having hunting is, is working for, for those communities, but being able to get those working with them, having their voices out there working on, you know, different, like helping out with crafting op-eds that, that went out that really showed, you know, the perspective of the game warden in, in, in California and how busy they are, which is their own issues at home and then putting the onus of them, 
basically monitoring what should be illegal, what is illegal activity, making it illegal there, stretching them thinner than they'd already be. It was cool to see all these pieces in place and then them actually being considered and thought of, especially in the most hostile of avenues um, in California. I mean, that's a that's a tough place to fight. But a lot of things came into play. Some external factors too got a little crazy as things do these 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 days. Ended up failing, which was just enormous. But again, like we're going back to how do you work on all the international stuff? It's like there's a template that can be applied everywhere. At the end of the day, you're influencing somebody's making a vote. Get them the facts. Let them vote their conscience. Having a template like that in place in California can be exported to you know Wellington, New Zealand when it comes up there. Hmm. So we see all these ideas. I mean, we have um, we have we have a lawyer on staff that works in Brussels. You know, she focuses in on what's going on in the EU, what's going on with international conventions like CITES. Um, so she really keeps us surprised, but she's listening in a lot when on our weekly calls to what's going on in America. You know, because ideas like that pop up in California, those get copied in places like Brussels. Things okay. like in Brussels, like they're fighting, you know, they're fighting um, a lead ban over there. We've seen that, right? Yeah, that sounds familiar. We've been fighting that. Very familiar. Um, it's not not different. I mean, there's different people in the seats, different people taking the votes, but it's the same issues, the same facts, and it can all be reused and applied elsewhere. So it makes it more manageable that way. Um, we also have our membership everywhere. You know, pick right. up the phone at a, at a weird time. Hey, sorry to call you, New Zealand. It's I know <laughs> four in the morning, but does this matter to you? Yes, it's critical. All right, let's work together on it. Leveraging, you know, the boots on the ground there, really focusing on the grassroots piece. Nice. How does a person, so like you guys are, I mean, you're in the trenches with all this stuff, right? Like, I mean, you've mentioned like a bunch of different things. I'm like, I didn't know that was happening. And I'm, I'm a hunter. Like I consider myself like a, you know, fairly, I'd say a more than average. Yeah. You have a serious hunter. I have a fart, uh, a smartphone, Jim. (laughs) Smartphone. Uh, uh, Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to get out of that one, am I? Nope. Nope. That's recorded. I'm going to (laughs) bribe MC Ryan. Can't do it. That you you don't know. Anyways, with your farts, with your farts, you don't you don't know what I'm capable of. How does a person find out? about these things, become aware of them, and, and, and I guess help if they want to. Yeah. Uh, How are you question. guys even finding out about these things? <laughs> I mean, it seems like stuff that's like kind of under the radar. Yeah, you guys got to have like spies everywhere. I mean, as you have members everywhere. Again, that are really... I mean, like we have members that are yeah. in every freaking corner, and it's the most engaged membership I've ever seen. It I must say it's 50,000, but it feels like, you know, a, a, like an army of a million. Um, yeah, it's just... We have a very, I guess, like horizontal organization with members having a lot of power and influence and reporting back and us channeling that, you know, through staff means um, to have all the eyes and ears. I mean, again, we've got our in-house staff is is incredible in monitoring it. Um, it, And it goes beyond us, too. Like a lot of folks see us as a, a hunting clearinghouse, you know, in the community. So we're always having conversations with all the other organizations that have that shared interest on the land and seeing where we can all collaborate. You know, we, we've signed MOUs where we work, you know, on paper, just saying, uh, committing to how closely we're going to work with, you know, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation or Ducks Unlimited or the Cattlemen. We work closely with groups like the American Conservation Coalition campus. You know, it's a group of college age, maybe 18 to 25 year old 
conservation-minded activists. Um, so work with them on getting the, the message out. So a lot of it's strong membership, strong partnerships, all just kind of working together. I mean, it sounds a little bit cleaner and simpler than it really is. It can get messy, but it's effective. <laughs> Do your members go to like events or hearings or whatever to get their inside information that then they relay to you? Or are they just on the right news outlet website that pops up every time something comes up and they're like, Hey, I, you know, this is about bears or whatever. This, this is something that interests me or, cause yeah, to Mark's point, I mean, as the casual observer who doesn't have, you know, a, a team of lawyers with me or anything like that, or, you know, I guess I just think I wake up in the morning and I come to work. And by the time I get home from work, then it's like, got to make dinner, got to try and find a time to work out, got to try and find time to spend with the wife, got to then go to totally. bed. How do you, yep. how do you keep up on that? I mean, I would just say advocacy, you know, from what we hear back from members is the number one reason folks join. Obviously, the, the baseline is I hunt. <laughs> the second <laughs> is I want my kids to hunt and their kids to hunt. How do I protect that? You know, um, so I think we've got a membership that that is, I mean, uh, they're passionate about hunting, but they've also got, you know, second on that list, passionate about protecting it and being engaged and involved. I mean, they've already taken that first step in joining the organization, wanting to get the information, wanting to know where they can be helpful. And then they take that next step. I mean, again, so like we've got, you know, one guy, you know, Cyrus Baird that oversees our, 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 our state engagement, you know, for all the capitals and everything. So it's, hit on, it's smart on his part where he engages with the chapters that are local. And if we do see like a commission hearing, you know, in Madison, you know, can we get a body there? And the yeah. longer you're at the organization, the more, you know, like, who you can lean on, who can be helpful there. And we've got a unique membership where, you know, again, and they're, they're engaged politically. So they'll have their own relationships on the Hill. Um, and, you know, no one's pride is going to be hurt. And if no one's pride will be hurt, if, you know, you get a volunteer that's in Wisconsin that happens to know their legislator better than I do, you know, it's like you, you, you speak on behalf of us, you know, it's your organization. We got you the talking points you know what we're working on. We've had the discussion. So, cool. you know, bring that to them. So nice. It's a little decentralized, but you know, it works. Yeah. I mean, uh, it makes sense though. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Do you guys find, like, I feel, I feel I'm going to use the word feel. I probably shouldn't use the word feel for this one, but like you guys use facts, like you have facts on your side, you have science on your side. It seems like you're fighting feelings with facts. Is that a lot of what's going on or is that just an incorrect perception? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah, there, there's the, uh, there's the emotional um, and then there's the reality, you know, again, it's when you go through hearing from those local voices talking about what hunting means to them, what it means to their economy and their livelihood. Those are, those are actual real facts rather than, you know, the photo that paints the picture I feel like, yeah, it is going with facts. I mean, again, that's why we rely on, you know, having, you know, wildlife biologists in-house, you know, folks that we can always point to the facts. I'd probably get yelled at by our communications team, but we're, we're rolling out a campaign called Hunt the Facts. So be on the lookout for that. I'm a little ahead of the, the curve, maybe. I don't know if they've got all like the, the content ready to go, but the facts are all in place. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the nice. facts are there. They're out there. Yeah. You know? The facts are there. They're in the cloud, Jim. The yep. cloud, right. Not that you can't access from your flip phone. I can't, probably. Cool stuff. Are there any neat things that are going on with, with SCI that, that we haven't asked about or you're excited about? 
I just say just really excited about, you know, how the summer went for SCI. Everything was changed, obviously, with, you know, COVID. Normally, we have a big fly-in where our members come in from all over the country. A fly, they fly into D.C., and then we go storm the hill, and everybody's meeting and talking about what matters to us and all the legislation. Obviously, that was shut down. So we did a bit of a pivot and did a, a virtual advocacy week um, where we, over the course of the week, kind of we went through the issues that mattered. We had on members of Congress and senators and, you know, elected officials in Europe and Canada kind of going through what the issues mattered. But then we took the, the time to, to drive folks towards engaging in the fight and being a part of it. So like really focused in on promoting and supporting the Great American Outdoors Act in supporting expansion of hunting and fishing access on, on wildlife refuges, and then making sure that we didn't see the Cecil Act, the trophy ban bill come up for a vote. So we normally have, you know, like 120 people, you know, probably come in like real active and go hit the hill. This was 6,000 people over the course of the week engaging. Um, we ended up, you know, having enormous outreach to the Senate and the House on the Great American Outdoors Act. Beginning of August, the first week, President Trump signed that into law biggest investment in addressing, you know, all the, the, the buildings and blinds and docks that are falling into disrepair, while also guaranteeing, you know, permanent funding for Land Water Conservation Fund. So incredible, monumental, biggest in a generation. Proud to say that, you know, our members really got behind it and really pushed on it to see it through. We had a chance to, you know, be at the White House during the signing and, and be a part of that representing sportsmen. So that was, that was amazing. So that was part of the virtual advocacy week. Another one was, let's get involved in the commenting on, on, on rulemaking. What rule matters most to, to, to sportsmen? And that's opening up more access. So you have the Department of the Interior proposing to expand new opportunities for hunting and fishing by 2.3 million acres. Unbelievable. Let's make sure that that happens. Let's make sure that the other team doesn't say, don't do it for this, this, and that reason, and they end up shrinking it down. So we engaged our members again through that virtual advocacy week to put in their comments, put in their letters, um, had it all, you know, help them with the language, had it tailored down to, you know, Wisconsin, your specific um, refuge that's going to be expanded, or Rhode Island, your specific refuges, um, had those comments flood in. And, you know, the final rule was, was put in place a couple of weeks ago, and they went through with the 2.3 million, just what our folks had asked for. Unbelievable. Awesome. Um, then we had, you know, our membership just flood the box saying, don't bring up the Iconic Species Act, bad for conservation, bad for, you know, rural communities in Africa. Uh, don't bring it up. And it hasn't come up for a vote yet. Obviously, there's more days of legislation in this, con or legislative activity in this Congress. But feeling good about that, you know, getting through the summer when they were, the other side was in full mode, just pushing on that. That's their, um, their centerpiece legislation. Uh, it's called the Cecil Act. This is the fifth year anniversary of when they started their campaign on Cecil the Lion and haven't seen a vote come to it. So long-winded things I'm excited about, just what I saw over the summer. Um, normally you'd see in DC, um, attention shut down over summer. You know, everyone goes out on vacation and hits the beach and checks out. And imagine that happens all over the country, but really happens in DC. <laughs> um, but with this whole, you know, virtual working and communicating, we're able to stay in front of members, keep the message out there, keep pushing on it and see real results. Um, and again, we saw the whole community, you know, really jump in, but just very unique in what we're able to do here from SCI with our grassroots platform and an engaged membership that's smart on the issues and ready to fight. Very cool, man. I, if you can back up a sec, because I'd be curious to know, like, what are the bones behind 
like the Cecil Act and the Iconic Species Act, like or like what's the yeah I guess what's the language what's behind it mission yeah what's there? the mission or what's yeah what's the what's going on yeah there? I mean I'd say it's an arbitrary ban on, on 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 hunting that's just basically a gift to you know humane society that gives a lot of money and contributions to the members that introduce it Cecil Act is a ban on Tanzania Zimbabwe yeah Zimbabwe on on iconic species you know big five being brought into united states oh, okay yeah, yeah um for california for california's it's 13 species uh from africa being imported into california gotcha um, and it'd be like basically saying hey you can't import these to california or if you go hunt yeah there. it would be directing the fish and wildlife service to not issue permits for those it would tie their hands and then there's also um a play in the appropriations process that would cut funding to issue permits. So at interior, they would say, we don't have any money that's allowed to be delegated towards this activity. So de facto ban on that. So that's another one that, Man, that, that one's still alive. That's the real tricky stuff you guys got to be looking out for. Cause I mean, there's, there's the easy to find stuff where it's, Oh, somebody says we're trying to ban this. And then there's the sneaky stuff where, well, they're trying to cut this, which would then eliminate that, which would then effectively yep. ban this. I mean, that you got to be really looking. It's like a daisy chain of of different cause and effect things happening. That's I mean, yeah. When you see when you like see the, off the, the, the tap, fu- yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what it is. Exactly, exactly. Just money flowing out of the tap. Just don't turn it off, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, again, it's like. Congress is pretty repetitive. You know, when the fights come up a lot of the time, you know, there's an appropriations process and you know who the players are that will introduce it and what the language will look like. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time at NRA. That's one that was just huge target on doing these. They call them appropriations riders, you know, cut funding to prevent this from happening, legislate through a budget. So we're pretty keen and keen to it. And we got a good team that really, you know, combs mm-hmm. through it closely looking for it. And you kind of have a sense. You can go to Humane Society and see, you know, who their top rated endorsed members of Congress are and probably figure they're earning that rating somehow. So you just follow what they're doing. Yeah. Is it just like an attempt at a game of attrition or something like that where you just like, I mean, they're just trying to keep doing the same things over and over in different ways to just wear you down eventually? I mean, is that because that just seems I mean, it seems like stuff just popping up all the time and you got it after after a while i feel like i don't have the patience to not be tearing my hair out and just thinking like yeah no i mean that persistence is key right who's gonna blink first and that's for good legislation for bad legislation that's like the great american outdoors act you know signed into law i mean the beginnings of that is 1985 when ronald reagan appoints you know a special counsel to look into how the parks and public lands can be improved um then you know, then the, at the time it was the governor of Tennessee that was overseeing it. He became Senator Lamar Alexander. He championed it for years. Um, it was something that was a no-brainer on the left, a no-brainer on the right. It would always kind of fail under its own weight for whatever political reason. But, you know, as the world turns, we see things through different lenses, different opportunities, and you see it work. So for everything that you got out there, you know, you go at it and you don't take it personally. You keep dating, you know, until 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 it sticks. And you see it with bad legislation. You see it with good legislation. Hmm. But they're doing their job, and we're doing our job to keep shutting it down. Yep. There's always different. There's always different pressure valves, right? I mean, right now, 
you can pass a trophy ban out of the house really easily just on party lines. Um, it just happens to be a platform for the majority. Um, but then in the Senate, you've got, you know, a firewall put up that'll, that'll block it as long as they're aware of it. Right. Can't assume that they've read through and understood how that would affect hunting, right. An appropriations bill, for example. So it's always kind of just a different table setting and a different way to approach it, but there's always a strategy in place and there's always allies in good places. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that remains. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to a lot of our unique activity too, is just involvement in elections. Um, we have a political action committee very involved, you know, with, you know, helping out champions, making sure that, that they, they can come back and, and remain and trying to, trying to be supportive. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we've even talked about this before, but you know, and, and just the, the language that gets used and, and probably, you know, and I think this might affect the, the kind of like that 80% that you were talking about. That's like, Oh, I'm not necessarily for, I'm against, I'm a little bit in the middle or uh, somewhat indifferent. And you might ask that person, well, are you against hunting? And they'll be like, oh, no, of course not. I'm not against hunting. Are you against trophy hunting? Oh, yeah, I'm against trophy hunting. But if, yeah. but there's things connected to that that just, in fact, it probably mostly affects general hunting. Or, I mean, can you touch on that a little bit, just like the language that gets yeah, used? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, th- that that's, that's an electric word. There's no doubt about it. I think if you look at those polls, too, it's like 82%. You see the word trophy, like, nope. You say, like, you eat what you kill, feel the fork. Yep, totally in, you know? It's the, the different ways. I mean, language matters. Ask anyone that's, you know, involved in the debate. But that's the misnomer that takes a lot of educating on with a trophy is um, that it's just you shot it out of pure bloodlust and then you, you you kept the trophy and you put it up on your wall. There's nothing else to it. There's no money going back to the community. There was no meat going to the community, meat going into your freezer, all of those pieces of the experience and, and what went into, you know, the conservation aspect. So, I mean... That word is pretty, it's a pretty loaded word. Language matters, but it's always on us to kind of just explain what the full experience is, yep. what that full safari is. Yeah. Yep. I think that, I mean, that's a tricky one, right? That's a tricky one. And I think uh, there's more to it that oftentimes doesn't get, I guess, revealed, you know, or, or at least it doesn't get highlighted like it should. Um, yeah. So. goes back to you talking about bears and like that, that line of questioning, right? Where that starts off, what, why, you don't eat it, right? Those are all just them working through trying to rationalize it, right? Mm-hmm. And as you say, conservation tastes delicious. It helps for, for the for, for the health of the population. I mean, that all kind of sways towards the logical. I can't be against that, right? Mm-hmm. I just think right now, just that opportunity for the educating side and for you know the interest level that's there now. I'm just reading about all this content being eaten up by people, you know, in urban areas about, you know, raising your own chickens, getting your own pig and trying to butcher it for the first time, learning on YouTube. I mean, hunting is right down there. And if, if we miss on this opportunity in this conversation right now, I don't know if it, it seems like it's a, like a generational opportunity and we're seeing it through, you know, new folks wanting to get in the field. Uh, just the numbers alone for, you know, a hunter education classes has, has just been, crazy i i can't give you what the number was we were talking with new york and they're just saying how you know they broke their like year record just for the spring turkey season i'm excited to see what happens this fall again like like we say you know uh, earlier on it's like access is always number one on the minds of of hunters how do we increase access but it's not always just physical access right it's also access to how do i do this this is intimidating right you know, so those first steps like Hunter Ed or having a mentor, I mean, 
it's on us to take advantage of that right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a question, you know, I was on the website and I was on your, your constitutional right to hunt and fish page. And I remember going through Hunter Ed. Uh, so my, my home state is Washington. And I remember, you know, like, hey, hunting isn't a right. It's a privilege. It can be taken away, which, I mean, I guess I don't disagree that if, you know, you make certain decisions, violations, you know, like, you know, you can't have that taken away from you. But maybe explain, can you go through the constitutional right to hunt and fish? And, you know, some states have it, some states don't. Maybe we're working to getting it in, in certain states. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, there's been an awesome patchwork of it done state by state. Like you said, it's like if we look at the Second Amendment, you know, that had no intention of, of hunting in mind when it was put in place, right? So there is an actual, like, you know, wholesale federal protection on, on hunting. So that that's in place throughout the country in a number of states. I want to say North Carolina was, was the last um, state to adopt it. I haven't seen any that are on the table right now um, being considered. But a lot of the times, you know, those can be very useful in land use decisions, you know? So like say in North Carolina, um, we're really busy there talking with the wildlife commission about um, Sunday hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, So as they go through the process of considering Sunday hunting on state lands where it's currently closed, they won't just meet with sportsmen. They want to talk to everyone that uses the land. Right. So it'll be birders, hikers, you know, horseback riders, when you have a constitutional amendment in place saying, you know, this is what the land exists for, you know, for being used safely by, you know, North Carolina's hunters and visitors that helps hold up and give you a stronger leg and argument and being able to ensure that that's going to be protected. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And if it does, if it's not, it can be challenged in court using that. Gotcha. Okay. I know where we live, Jim, you can hunt on Sunday. I'm glad because I have. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Again, back to access, you know, one more day, that's more access, right? Especially when it's time off, like you're talking about, Jim, just like, you know, you get home, you know, work out, cook, see your wife some, right? So when else can you hunt? So having the Sunday opportunity is good. But yeah, it's kind of like a talk about it with our Western members. They're like, don't get it. Like everybody hunts on Sunday. They're like, but on the <laughs> East, you get the old, you know, those blue laws. Yeah. Just last year, we overturned the Sunday hunting ban in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's step-by-step process. We peeled it back. So there's three Sundays open now for hunting, but you know, you, you show that it'll be done safely uh, with respect for all the other use groups and expand from there. So the fight continues there. And like I said, like North Carolina, you know, we're just dug in there and they pass legislation to do it. And then it takes that, you know, working with the communities to see how to do it right. So we're just working with our colleagues with NSSF and CSF and NRA just to make sure that you know we get as many Sundays in there as possible. Is the idea behind the uh, restrictions on Sundays is it is it religious based or is it more of like uh, hey you hunters can have it Sunday and then everybody else can or, I'm sorry Saturday and everybody else can have it Sunday or Yeah, I think traditionally you know when the laws are put in place that Sunday is the is the day of rest. Yeah, quiet day. And people want to just have that remain as being a day that's just off off limits that way. Okay, um, got it. Obviously, there's ways to do it away from crowded areas where it wouldn't bother a church or, you know, a park or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, because I know even around here, and it's, you know, it's obviously a big deal up in the north central part of the country, but we have, you know, if you hop the border over to Minnesota, you can't buy beer on Sundays or you can't buy alcohol on Sundays or whatever. Or at least yeah, I know that was those a are thing. All- 
that was a thing when uh, when I was in, in college on the Mississippi River on the Wisconsin side. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew a guy that uh, his goal, Jim, was to uh, catch a fish in all 50 states. He was leaving, actually, Hawaii for the last one, you know, kind of a grand finale. But I can't remember which state he was in. He was He was in the area to catch a fish in whatever East Coast state it was, but they, uh, they didn't sell beer on Sunday. So he just, he just drove to the next state. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not worth it. I'm fine with 49. He took a stand. Uh, anyway, uh, (laughs) super interesting stuff. Well, and you're talking about like access and I think we've even brought this up before, even on a previous podcast, but a lot of people only have weekends to hunt. Yep. You got, you've, you've got two days. Right. Exactly. And to cut that, in half for a person, you know, and who knows what their work schedule is like. They, they might work every Saturday and have Sunday off. I mean, that's, it's just, that's, it's, that's a significant it, impact. And then it's also the bottom line for, you know, conservation, that state for, for like Pennsylvania, like the hunter in Pennsylvania is not going to be like, well, the law says I can't hunt on Sundays. No, they're going to cross the line and go to Maryland or go to West Virginia. You know, they're going to take their money somewhere else and go, contribute there right right Mm -hmm. keep it home that's the same thing with i mean we're seeing it now a little little bit of a tangent but with casinos you know it's like just cross the line then and then the money goes to that you know state's revenue right right yeah that's yeah that's (laughs) i hadn't really thought about that aspect to it but i mean you're totally right i mean i I, that's what i would do you know if i if you told me i could hunt sunday i'd jump the border if if it was convenient enough i guess (laughs) yeah Uh, well, you go to a state like Montana, and it's not really a problem, right? Because <laughs> they get it. <laughs> or Alaska. You don't have to cross the border. You can do it all there. <laughs> Man, lots of stuff going on here, Jim. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff that I think a lot of folks, you know, probably should be more aware of, you know, and they can, you know, research it, and obviously you can formulate your own opinion, you know, after looking at the facts, but... Man, there's just so much stuff that I feel like goes under the radar. That I mean, you guys are like I said in the trenches every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I know curious like, it makes to me. me like I, like I hear about it and I start kicking myself because I'm thinking as soon as I hear about some of this stuff, you get a little, you feel a little bit of passion about it. You think to yourself, I, I can't believe somebody's trying to do that. Right. You know, and yeah. I, I wish I would have known earlier. And then realistically, that kind of stuff is happening all the time, and. uh you know, you might just hear about one, which we do, you know, usually by the time it's hit a boiling point, you hear about one. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. totally on board with, you know, whatever was going on or against what was happening. But yep. then it's kind of too late at that point and, and you wish you would have known earlier on. Yep. Yep. That's one thing, you know, and that thing is probably the thing that's in your area, right? Because it affects you yeah. and it's local to you. And that's one yep. thing that I thought was really cool what you were talking about earlier where you kind of uh, distilled some of those things down as far as like, you know, disseminating information to people and, you know, I guess regionally or by state being like, hey, this is what's going on for you, right? Because, I mean, selfishly, people are going to care about things that affect them. You know, I think that's, you know, right, wrong. That's probably pretty natural. So I think that's a pretty cool thing that you guys were doing. And a lot of the stuff, it, it yeah. is so well, big. It's like for, for, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, for you, it's like the land you care the most about is the land that you're using, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's exactly. laws that are going to affect the land that you're using, then you're going to be hyper attuned to it. Yep. Yep. Well, and you're just, yeah, you're just connected to it. You're just, yep. you know, you've seen it, you've been there, you've had experiences there and you just, you know, you just have more of a connection to the things that you're closer to. And, and I think it can, uh, I don't know, you can just visualize it better. 
you know, comprehend mm-hmm. things better. You know, some of this, totally. some of this other bigger picture stuff might be, or stuff that's not in your area, or maybe it's in a place you've never, never seen or had a, an experience there. It's maybe a little bit more nebulous. It is, but you can never assume that you're not ever going to come in contact with that. Even if, even if it never actually makes it over to your state or your area, which I think a lot of times actually you should be aware of what's happening elsewhere in the country. Cause like you mentioned, a lot of this stuff gets copycatted across um, the world and definitely within you know, between states, well, all the stuff for, you know, with guns, uh, in California, for example, you know, it was always just kind of a punchline of a joke over here in Wisconsin until finally we went on our hunt in Arizona and then had to jump over to California yep. and we had our firearms with us and mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, Oh, that's right. We actually can't go over there with these. So we got to ship them back now. And then now yeah. they're not with us and now they're, and, uh, then you get there and, and you're all annoyed because, it's like, man, what an inconvenience for these four days. Mm-hmm. And then you think, oh, a lot of people uh, live here with uh, with this all the time. And I'm annoyed about the four days that I'm having to deal with their little totally. rule that I don't like. And yeah, 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 that, that, yeah, man. Bad ideas travel faster than good ideas. That's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a universal truth. Uh, that's like last that's, week we're on that's the phone. Pretty good. With, we're on the phone with our members in Chile, and like they're asking about micro stamping laws in california like i know they're all in the pacific ocean but that's pretty far south in chile you know yeah. but that idea is down there and they're trying to put it in place so it's like all right buckle up let's fight it <laughs> oh it's it's funny but so sad that it's true yeah i know i yeah. know you can only laugh <laughs> <laughs> keep Laughing. your sanity yep well what so for for a person that, that finds like these issues you know interesting they're passionate about it and they they want to get involved what what can they do you know or, or or what things can they do to get involved with SCI and what you guys have going on so maybe they are more aware of these things and, and can help out yeah no thanks for asking um I mean first step is obviously joining I mean I got to put that in there to go to safariclub.org get involved I mean I'm part of the, the national team we also have our our local chapters so just go to the website, you know, see what, see where those local chapters are, get plugged in with them. I mean, like the updates that I'm giving right now, just done all the time. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm at the, the I'm a, I serve at the leisure of the members, you know, just want to be able to, to keep them engaged because that's, that's our strength, you know, that that's our army. It's like, I always tell them, so when I go in and meet with somebody, you know, in a congressional office, they're not meeting with Ben Cassidy, you know, they see, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of, our 50,000 members. Um, they want to hear what SCI is saying because we're in their backyards. So, I mean, the way to get involved is just to, to join up, you know, and, and, and have a say in the fight. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's vote, you know, most important election in a lifetime, get out there, make your voice heard, uh, makes a difference in every level of elections too. Like we were saying that, that local decision maker all the way to, to the president, uh, just get involved. Cool. Very cool. Very like cool. It. What about uh, social? Can people follow you guys on social and get some of this information as well? Yep, we are we are up and live on on, on Insta, Facebook, Twitter. Um, our Instagram is taking off like wildfire. We've got you know a, a good team that that's working that and just staying on 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 top of all the issues. So all channels um, we're there and pumping info out. You know, to keep folks. That's where you'll see our hunt the facts campaign. All right. <laughs> Can't Say wait. it again. <laughs> now that I've said it, it has to happen. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> little, exactly. Little sneak peek here. The onus is on yeah. them now. <laughs> <laughs> you are pot committed. Yes. <laughs> we are waiting. We are waiting. But uh, very cool, man. Well, uh, Ben, appreciate the time and, and the insight yeah. and, and all the hard work you guys are doing on your end to to protect hunting and, and get the facts out to people. And and uh, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's all good things and it's important things and, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing it if we, if we didn't love it and it wasn't necessary. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. I just always harp on it back to like elections. It's like it's a funny community with, with hunters. Right. Where it's like we know when the season starts. We know what it ends. But a lot of hunters forget what day election day is. We don't <laughs> register to vote, even though we go through all the trouble of these wonky, difficult to navigate. And I'm not throwing any DNRs under the bus, but these apps to buy licenses, they can be as confusing as anything. More confusing than registering. We still don't register to vote. You hunters just have to be a little bit as passionate about defending it as they are getting in the field and big things will happen. I like <laughs> it. I like it. We're using up all our mental bandwidth to, to just buy that hunting license. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After that, it's just zonked. I'm exhausted. No, I mean that's, that's true, a, man. That is an excellent point. That is for that, sure. That's true. Make your voice heard. There's ways to do it. Things in place. We can do it together, Jim. Absolutely. It's a great way to uh, cap it off. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Mark was saying, Ben, thank you again, and uh, thanks to everybody out there, as usual, for listening. If you have any questions for these guys, I'm sure uh, there's a way that you can get a question out to. Uh, SCI here, you know, through many, many different avenues, as Ben has mentioned. And, uh, yeah, if you have any other suggestions for other episodes you'd want to hear similar to this, let us know as well. Awesome. We will uh, catch everybody on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. All right. Awesome. Bye. Thanks, everybody. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So, again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.